Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Amen. I love the color of these shirts. We're in a battle. (laughs) Be ready is what it says. It's this weekend, Refresh was, in case you didn't hear, it was all about spiritual warfare. Be praying for our students as they start their new year and as they just kind of even exit out of, out of this Refresh weekend that they would just continue to live in what they've learned and the way you guys are growing in the word and the ways, that, the commitments you've made this weekend that God would, would just do great and mighty things. And hey, guys, rest of you, church family, these students are leading us in this. We've got to be ready. We've got to have our hearts centered on God and not on self. And really this year, our elders have said that we want to live in a new way, in a more God-centered way than a, let's say, man-centered or self-centered way. So throughout this year, we're going to be looking at this very topic And we're going to begin by looking at the great book of Isaiah. Yeah, are you excited? It's Isaiah. He's a prophet of God. And we'll hear more about him in just a moment. But what we want to do is as we get into Isaiah is we want to die more and more to just being about me, my stuff, my circumstances, what's impacting me, how I'm even hurting. But we want to be about him Lord, we know you've won the battle. We're trusting you. We're believing you. Give us more faith and repentance to to rely on you, whatever we're facing in our lives, that we would live in a more God-centered way in our lives. So that's what we're going to be looking at throughout this next year. And Isaiah does a great job in his book. Guess what it's called? The book of Isaiah. And so, um, and so throughout our studies, we're going to be looking at this. So just a brief context, okay? Uh, Isaiah was a prophet in the southern Israel in the city of Jerusalem. And there he prophesied a hundred years before the Babylonians came and destroyed the temple and then took, killed many, and they took kind of the brightest and the best, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you remember those guys in the stories, They took them in exile all to Babylon. And so Isaiah is talking about not only the the captivity, there's a message of judgment in chapters 1 through 39, and it's pretty hard and harsh. But then there is a message of hope, and we see that in chapters 40 through 66 of this book. And in this series, you're going to be glad about this, we're going to be in chapters 60 through 66, we're in the more of the hope section, okay? And so uh, though we're going to see, though, our sin separates us from God. You can see that in Isaiah 59, 1 through 8. And it separates us from others, 59, 9 through 15. God's servant, and throughout the book, when you hear God's servant, it is all pointing to Jesus and his first coming. Jesus is God's servant, and he brings hope to all those who repent of their sins and believe him and then trust him with, to obey him. And, and he will restore, and then 
Here's the, a little bit of the tricky thing with interpreting Isaiah. He is talking about here in this chapter, and especially 40 through 66, he's talking about not only the hope of the people of God returning from Babylon to Jerusalem, okay? And, and that, the joy of that and coming back to the land, but he's also applying this to the people of God today, the church. And so this book has as much application for us as it did for Jerusalem in those days. And not only that, he's also, you with me? He's also talking about the future hope when Jesus will come in his second return and he will restore all things, make all things new and, and create the new heavens and the new earth and we'll live with him eternally. So you have to read Isaiah kind of with those lenses, thinking about the restoration of people coming back to the land of Israel, the church today, and then a future hope where we get to enjoy God in heaven, in the new heavens and earth forever. And so we'll be looking at this great book and we're going to dig in today. And as we do, we're going to see two important words. And they're, they're actually <clears throat> interpreted the same way in the Hebrew. The two words are for the word glory. There's two different Hebrew words in Isaiah chapter 60. And the first word means impress. And the second means attract. And so we're going to be talking about what that looks like. And, and, and we should be impressed by God's glory so much that we give him more glory. Are you giving God glory? Are you worshiping him? Are you, are you exalting God, not just here on Sunday morning, but throughout your week? And then secondly, we should be attracted, that second kind of glory, so attracted to it that it actually, because we are image bearers of God and his glory, we should be attractive to the lost world around us. People, as we engage and rub shoulders in our work, in our neighborhoods, wherever we go, with whomever we're with, should be attracted to the glory of Christ in us. And that should be growing, growing, that kind of glory. So we'll be looking at that as well. So today we're going to be seeing from Isaiah 60, the glory of God impresses and attracts. And again, <clears throat> 60 kind of repeats this idea of uh, impress, which is, he talks about his brightness and his light, and then his beauty that attracts, his glory that attracts. And, and so uh, the first glory we're going to look at is God's glory impresses, and we are to give him glory. Look at verses one through five. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see, they all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. 
Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. Isaiah here writes of the coming glory of God to the city. And again, understand what it means by city. Of course, Jerusalem was a city and we, the people of God, the church, were called a city on a hill. And someday soon, the new city of heaven, the new Eden, new Eden, that city will be restored. Another way of looking at it is there's an old guy in church history. His name was Augustine. He lived in about the 300s. You probably read him all the time, I'm sure. But he wrote a book called, I'd, I'd recommend it to you nerds, it's called The City of God. It's great. And, and, um, and in it, he, he talks about the difference between the city of man, or what he calls the city of earth, and, and that all heavenly and, and, and students, even the heavenly, all the human and heavenly beings, so even the demons and all those that have rebelled against God, who love only themselves and seek their own glory and their own good from the beginning of history, that is called the city of man or the city of earth. The city of God is, Augustine kind of teaches about this, is, is that all human and heavenly beings, angels and all God's people are united in love and they seek to give God glory and reflect his glory to others. So we want to be a part of that second city, right? And the second city is what primarily Isaiah 60 is teaching about here. He's describing really ultimately not only when God's people return to Jerusalem from the Babylonian captivity, but when we get to go to heaven face to face to God and we get to see God and all of our sin will be basically cast to, uh, away and we will no longer have any more tears. It's going to be an amazing day. His glory is going to shine in our midst in those days. Christ will be fully present with us and we will know him and we will know his full presence. Uh, in verses one and two, Isaiah, it, it says the brightness of God's glory and press, a synonym for this word, for glory, which means impress, is amaze, sway, or astound. And the reason God's glory is so electrifying is because he, the creator, savior of the world, is with his people. Look, when you know God is with you, you can know that there can be no one against you. It doesn't matter. Really, all your circumstances fade away when you believe God is in your midst. And when you are confident of that, and by the way, every Christ follower we know today has the Holy Spirit who's with us 24-7. So here's the reality. He is, he is always with you. Do we realize this? And this is what this first point, do, are you amazed by God's glory? Are you stunned by it? Or is it just kind of like, I'm sort of just, I mean, I don't know, a little bit apathetic to it lethargic in my faith. No, God wants to meet us in a fresh new way 
that we could have spiritual eyes of faith to see his glory and how stunning it is. He wants you to believe this. Verse 2 goes on. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people. And we know darkness is the darkness outside of us, which is the sin and the effects of sin in the world around us. But it's not only the world outside of us or the sin outside of us, it's the sin in us. We we got darkness outside of us, we got darkness in us, and we want to get more and more of the darkness out of us and let the glory of God, his light, drive out, expel the darkness in us, the sin in us that we would follow him more and more in obedience Verse 2 goes on and says, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory, do you notice this? Will be seen upon you. You see, the Lord doesn't simply arise from an afternoon nap, does he? I like them. But he's not just arising from a nap. Well, this word arise means literally an awakening from death. And it's a foreshadowing, pointing forward. Do you know this? This is cool. To Jesus, when he not only came, he died on the cross, but he rose again on the third day from the dead. He was awakened from death, and in that he defeated Satan's sin and death, and so we should be ready to give glory to God constantly, to give glory to him and and praise to him. One day when Jesus was teaching his disciples outside the temple, He said this to him, them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. What is this light? Is it just like, oh, this really bright, shining, you know, beam that hits me? No, it's it's life itself. It's eternal life. It's It's a metaphor. It's a picture. The light is of the wonderful salvation of God that we all get to share in the life that expels the darkness both outside of us, but especially inside of us. And then we give him more glory as we realize how wonderful, how astounding that light, that glory, that who God really is and what he's done for us. So what's your response to the glory of God? Are you numb to it? Oh, blah, blah, blah. I've heard that before. Or are you delighted in it? Are you being changed by it? Is God's glory, is he amazing you? Ask yourself that question today. Verse 4 goes on, lift up your eyes all around you and see, they all gather together, they come to you. You know, who is Isaiah telling to look for? It's the same one the psalmist in Psalm 121 said, uh, several hundred years before Isaiah, lift up your eyes and see in the hills, where, from the hills where your help comes. Verse 2, my help comes from the Lord, the Lord, that's it who made the heavens and the earth. Do you believe that? Are you looking for his glory to help you? Or are you trying to help yourself? 
Are you trying to figure stuff out? Are you trying to fix your own circumstances? That will never work. It's vain. The help of man. You need, we need the help of the living Lord. So look to Jesus alone and put your hope in his salvation, the brightness of his glory. Give him glory. Learn to worship him. You guys are doing that. Great job being here. Look, you are here and those that are, even, that are online. Let's learn more and more to worship him both not just on Sunday morning, but throughout the week, and especially when it gets hard, that we would pause this week. When it gets hard for you, I want you to pause and just say to this, God, please show me your glory. Please impress me, my heart, with your glory. Right now, I need it. My circumstances are hard. I need to know and to experience and to give you, by faith, trust, you are with me, and I want to know the glory of God. Okay, so what a glorious God. He, he has, his glory impresses with his brightness, so give him glory. Give him glory in whatever way he's showing you practically to do. Secondly, though, second word for glory in this chapter 60 is God's glory attracts And so we reflect his glory to others. See, the beauty of his glory attracts. Synonyms for this second word are these. Beautify, fascinate, draw, or magnetize. I like it. It's like a magnet. The glory of God is drawing you to himself and drawing the nations. We see this second word for glory used in verse 7, 9, 13, 19, and 21. And God's glory draws the nations to himself, to remember his city, which today is the church, to the people of God. The glory of God should be attractive in us to others, and they should be drawn to be a part and saying, wow, the church is different. I want to know the God of this church who is with you because you are different, and it is attractive what I see in you. And working through you. And so, so today uh, it, we see this beauty of God's glory. Look at verses 6 through 9. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah and all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense. Think about wise men. <laughs> and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. The rams of Nebioth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will beautify my beautiful house. Who are these that fly like a cloud and like doves to their windows? For the coastlands shall hope for me, the ships of Tarshish first, to bring your children from afar their silver and gold with them for the name of the Lord your God and for the Holy One of Israel because he has made you beautiful. Do you know today if you see yourself as ugly or valueless, you're lying. 
Scripture says right now that the people of God through Christ, you, he has made you beautiful. Or even this is the word for glorious. He has made you attractive. And he should make your life and the way that you speak and live attractive to others that they would see and come to know the glorious God who lives in you. So, um, as, we, as we think about this verse here, uh, verse 6, uh, you see that, <laughs> crazy, they're coming by, the nations are really gathering to the city, God's people, the city of Jerusalem, specifically they're talking about. Though we know today it's the church. But it's saying that they come by land by air and by sea. Look at land, by land, verse 6, they come on camels. By air, metaphorically, eight, verses 8 and 9, they fly like a cloud or come like a dove. By sea, verse 9, they come on ships of Tarshish. Remember, Paul was from Tarshish. But they come from every area. They're all coming by, by land, by air, by sea. They're all gathering to come to the city of God to the people of God and, and to the, be with God's people who, with Christ in the middle of them. Praise the Lord for that. And it says in verse 10, foreigners shall build up your walls. Notice, it's the people who were once the enemies of Israel. They hated. The nations are called describing the Gentiles who the Jews hated and the Gentiles hated the Jews in those days. But look, look what it says. It says, they come and help strengthen your city. They build up the walls and their leaders and their king shall minister to you. I think it's talking about even a foreshadowing of today, the church, that we are doing this too. For in my wrath, it says, I struck you, but in my favor, I've had mercy on you. The city of God has universal support, even from the kings who were the once greatest adversaries, the most powerful who, ones who hated Israel and the people of God are now supporting it, building the walls, actually. Verse 11, your gates shall be open continually day and night, and they shall not be shut. So notice the gates are continually open. Let me ask you, does, do any of you lock your car? Anyone, anyone, did you lock your home before you came here today? Why do you do that? Well, I, I locked my home and I actually got a security system because I got robbed a few, <laughs> few months ago. And why? Because we want safety, right? But here, notice here, God is in their midst. Everything is unlocked. Why? They're in the presence of God. They are completely safe with God in their midst. There can be no break-ins. There can be no damage, no assaults. The Lord rules and reigns in their midst. And so their gates are open continually and day and night. They won't be shut. That Why? That the people may bring to you the wealth of the nations. Because people are like, how do you get that safety? How do you, can you be so safe in midst of all these crazy circumstances? Church, Jesus. Jesus can cause your heart to be safe in the hardest of circumstances. 
And it says, with their kings led in procession. Verse 12 crescendos with a picture of the city of God giving life to those who enter and death that do not enter. (laughs) Is that a surprise, surprise? What happens to all who believe in Jesus? Church, what happens? Life. They go to heaven. We have life. What happens to those who do not trust God through Jesus Christ alone? What? Death. Eternal death. It's sad, but it's true. But here he's saying, if you come to the city of God, if you come to know God, Jesus ultimately, you will have life. But if you don't, there's death-like circumstances. He says, for the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. Those nations shall be utterly laid waste. You see, the father of the nation of Israel, remember Abraham, was given the promise reflected in this verse uh, from Genesis 12, 3, where it says, and I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse and you and all the families of earth shall be blessed. God will draw all people to himself by the beauty of his glory, his attractive glory. Verse 13 continues on with this theme. He says, the glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the plain, and the pine, to beautify or glorify the place of my sanctuary. And I will make the place of my feet glorious. The sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you, and all who despised you shall bow down at your feet. They shall call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. And by the beauty of his glory, the Lord both attracts and changes his people who come into his city. You cannot help but be changed by the beautiful, attractive glory of God. Are you being changed? Are you being changed? We see this in, in, in great crescendo, verse 15. Whereas... You have been forsaken and hated with no one passing through. I, I, the Lord, will make you majestic forever. You will be a joy from age to age. You shall suck the milk of nations. You shall nurse at the breast of kings. And you shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer and the Mighty One of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I bring gold. And instead of iron, I will bring silver Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will make you your overseer's peace and your taskmaster's righteousness. Violence shall be no more, shall no more be heard in your land. Devastation or destruction within your borders. Notice this, I love it. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. For the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of mourning shall be ended. Your people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever, the branch of my planting, 
the work of my hands that I may, might be glorified. The least one shall become a clan and the smallest one a mighty nation. We, if we had more time, these are such rich verses for you to study. But I just want to just quickly summarize what this beautiful glory attracts and changes God's people and us. <laughs> That's including you and me. And here's a recap. Look at verse 15. No longer are they forsaken and hated. Have you felt forsaken in your life? You are no longer forsaken and hated if you know Christ. You are not abandoned. Believe this. Verse 17, you're not going to just get bronze, but gold. You're not going to be a slave to people. You're going to be a slave of peace and righteousness that God gives you in your heart. Verse 18, there's going to be no more violence. Instead, verse 18 goes on, your walls will be called salvation, your gates praise. The Jews were really about keeping salvation to themselves, but now even the walls of Jerusalem are crying out with praise and salvation is flowing from their gates. God is doing a work where the people of God are saying, let salvation be spread to every person, to all the nations, to everyone who will believe in our God. This is so cool. Verse 20, there'll be no more mourning. Have you ever been sad? There'll be no more mourning, no more tears. It's going to wipe away every tear. And notice, God will be your light, not just the sun and moon that rise up. We need it now, right? Have you read Revelation 22.5? It says, when God is in our midst in heaven, there'll be no more need for the sun or the moon. God will be your light. It's just a repeat of this verse <laughs> from Isaiah, of what's going to happen in the new heavens and the new earth. Verse 21, you will be righteous. Do you know you have a right standing with God? Not because of your works, not because of anything you've done, but because of Christ. And he goes on, you're the branch of my planting, which sounds very close to John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. Look, if you're connected and abide with me, you're good and you're going to bear much fruit. All will be well, but apart from me, you can do nothing. So stop your striving, stop your worries, cling to me. I'm in the midst of you. I am your God. I am in the city. I dwell with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? You see, what's the big win in all of this? Work of God on behalf of his people, and I believe it's found in verse 21, that I, the Lord, he's speaking, might be glorified or beautified. That's the whole Paul of Wax, that we would enjoy God and enjoy knowing him and that he would be greatly glorified by our lives. You feel, do you feel purposeless in your life? You feel like, why am I alive today? What am I doing Here's what you're doing, church. You are here to give glory to God, to be not only magnify a God of glory, but to say, God, 
Make your glory, cause your glory to make me as attractive as you are. And Lord, if I've been somehow just sort of dead to your glory and who you are, I've been sort of on a feeling like I'm in a slump. God, please meet with me. You're with me. Change me. Change my heart to trust in you. And so today, again, I love this, this book. And it only gets better and better in these chapters coming up. But look at, notice, here at the end of chapter 60, the city of God is gushing with God glorifying praise among his people. And finally, the glory brimming chapter concludes in verse 22. Look at it. Briefly, I am the Lord in its time. I will hasten it. The word hasten can be translated also in joy. Not only does God make the city of God, he hastens it. He will make this happen. He will save all his people. He will draw the nations to his people. He also enjoys it and he enjoys you. The glory of God's salvation impresses and attracts. So let's live our lives to give him glory. Let's, let's be a church, remembering we're image bearers. God-centered image bearers that we're saying, Lord, as your glory is attractive, make my life attractive that they would see Christ in me and through me. And they would want to know that God of the city. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Isaiah and how applicable God's word is for us today. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. And we magnify your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.